Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast on Letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast on Letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to a letter from Ireland.com forward slash plus. That's a letter from Ireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. Cade Mila Falta, welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello, this is Mike Collins and you're very welcome to this episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. Hope you're doing well today and let me start by asking you a question. Do you have any Norman surnames in your Irish family tree? How about any Viking blood that you're actually aware of? Well, in any case, I think you will find this episode particularly interesting because what we're going to do is we're going to track the actual arrival of the Vikings back in the millennia before last from their homelands of Denmark and Norway and so on into what was then part of, well, now is part of France, northern part of France, become known as Normandy, how they then became what became known as the Normans, made the way over into England over time and into Wales and eventually into Ireland, bringing with them many of the surnames that we're familiar with today. We're also going to actually feature the music of a lady who you might actually know, but you probably don't know the the name rather, Etna Nivrenen. Now, Etna Nivrenen or Etna Brennan came from Guidor in County Donegal and actually started to sing and play with her extended family, I suppose back in the late 70s at this point, and that band that they formed was called Clannad. Now, Edna is actually somebody you know better today as Enya, and I've often been asked to actually, please, please, please include the music of Enya more in your podcast show. So today we're going to do just that. So alongside looking at the actual evolution of the Vikings into the Normans and their arrival in Ireland, we're actually going to start off with a song featuring Etna de Vrenen and it's the first recording she actually made on lead vocals with her family band at the time back in 1982, I believe. And this song is called On Tool or The Apple. Thank you. 
When we hear the word Norman in Ireland today, we often think of the Anglo-Norman invasion of Ireland back in 1170 that we learnt about in school. Many of my friends today have Norman surnames like Roach, Barry, Fitzgerald and so on. We attended the same classes in school, played for the same teams and shared a lot of growing up together. But where did our Norman ancestors come from? And to find that out, we need to go back to another time and another country. The Norman Homeland By 876 AD, the Viking threat was well established over much of Europe. Many Vikings were launching raiding parties from their Norwegian home and then returning back home with the spoils for later trade. Around this time, a man called Harald Feinherr was asserting himself as the first true king of Norway. Now, not everybody was happy with his approach, including a man who later became known as Rollo. Rollo was the leader of a band of Vikings who were together for over 20 years, raiding and extorting tribute on many shores across Britain, Ireland and France. On the 17th of November, 876, Rollo and his men arrived in the northwest part of France around the modern city of Rouen. This time, they had no home in Norway to which, in which to return to, and they were looking for a territory where they could settle and use as a base for further raids. In other words, Rollo and his men were looking for a new place to call their home. Over the next 40 years, this band of Vikings carried out raids from this new base and they sent out a clear message to the local rulers that they now saw this territory in northwest France as their new home. Charles, King of the Franks, pragmatically decided to formalise this territory as the new homeland of the group and the Duchy of Normandy was established with Rollo as the first Duke of Normandy. The land in Normandy was a huge improvement on the old farmland back in Norway. The Norman focus was on the cultivation of grain, unlike us in Ireland here where the real focus has always been on cattle. And in Normandy, the rich, heavy soil could yield four times more than the stony soil of Norway. Over the next 150 years, the Normans settled down with their new neighbours. They strategically intermarried and made alliances, and they also copied the French hierarchy headed by a class of nobility. But one aspect of Viking ancestry that the Normans were very slow to lose was their restless ambition. Their desire to expand beyond their present boundaries and gather more material possessions, land, power and glory. The Normans could back up their individual ambition with the power of feudalism, farming and fighting technology, God on their side and, of course, their use of castles. 
over the course of 150 years from 1047 to 12, 1200, this Norman ambition and capability triggered one of the most extraordinary expansions of power from such a small area. During that time, Norman knights had successfully been invited into or really invaded Britain, Sicily and Ireland and they started the first crusade to the Near East where they established many more strongholds, all of which were consolidated with the winning and granting of land, then building of castles and the establishment of a new feudal order in each conquered locality. In 1035, Duke Robert of Normandy was killed on the return from one of these first crusades. His son, William, gradually assumed his power and title. In 1066, the King of England at the time, Edward the Confessor, died. William of Normandy had a distinct, distant claim to the throne of England, but he was ready to assert this claim. By September 1066, William's forces were ready to invade England and take what he considered to be his rightful place on the throne of England. His boats, his knights, his war horses, archers and soldiers numbered in their thousands. So they set sail in October, met the English army at Hastings on the 14th of October 1066. After a full day of matched and ferocious fighting, William had won the crown of the King of England. A hierarchy of just 10,000 Norman knights went on to replace the aristocracy of England with William, now William the Conqueror, at their head. Five generations later, the descendants and vassals of this aristocracy formed the main part of the invasion of Ireland from Wales in 1170. The Normans would bring their fighting, farming and feudal technology with them, as well as an insatiable ambition and shape much of what we see around us in the Irish landscape and politics today. Irish Norman surnames. Norman naming conventions were typical and typically the same as many Irish naming conventions, only derived, of course, from French. Son of was Fies, phonetically became Fitz, like Fitzgerald. The surname of or from was De, De Barry, which in Ireland became De Barra, and eventually just Barry. Nicknames followed roles like Le Gros, or the fat one, and another famous Irish role name was Fitzwalter, which assumed the role and surname of Butler in Ireland. We have many Norman-derived surnames that our readers on the Letter from Ireland have sent us. This is a long list, so I will pick out just a few for you. We have Archdeacon, Cody, Blake, Brown, Cantwell, Crozier, Cusack, Dalton, Darcy, Field, Fitzgerald, of course, Fleming, Francis, French, Furlong, Keating, Martin, Morrissey, Nagel, Plunkett, Power, Roach, Rochford, Sinnott, Talbot, Walsh, 
Wolf and Wise. Well, did you hear any Irish Norman surname there that might be in your own family tree? I only listed a few, but of course there are many, many more. I was happy there to list my own Barrys. My maternal grandmother was a Barry from Cork. There's always another day when we might have time to list and chat some more about Irish Norman surnames. But until then, I hope you've enjoyed this glimpse into our Irish Norman surnames and the Norman way of life.
Well, that lady certainly carved a very, very specific sound for herself over the years. Some kind of, I suppose, a kind of a pan Celtic idea. But also you can see those very deep roots, I think at least, coming through in the voice and the singing from her original Irish upbringing in Gwydor in County Donegal. So there we have uh, Etna Nivrenin, and of course she shortened her name to the four letters Enya over time, and Marble Halls. Before that, Karina was chatting about the actual arrival of the Vikings in the north part of France, their evolution into the Normans, and how they eventually ended up in Ireland. Well, now we're actually going to have Karina again, and this time she's going to actually tell the story of a very particular Irish Norman knight, and maybe chat a little bit about how his surname actually evolved and attached itself to a particular area of Ireland. So over to you, Karina. Just recently, I received this note from one of our readers, and it goes, My name is George Sliney of Irish descent. Though the name gets a lot of strange looks and comments over the years, I looked in the phone book when visiting Cork and I found pages of Sliney surnames. Made me feel very good. Well, it should, George. You see, Sliney, S-L-I-N-E-Y, is one of those Irish names that's confined to a specific area of Ireland and you'll get some funny looks when you travel with your surname outside these areas. Sliney, no, never heard of that. Are you sure it's an Irish name? Now, let's tell the story of the Sliney surname in a little roundabout way. In other words, in an Irish way. Would you first like to hear a knight's tale? Well, let's start. Robert Fitzstephen was born in Wales about 1120. And he was a noble Welsh knight, the grandson of the last king of South Wales. As a soldier, he was involved in many of the power struggles in the area And he eventually found himself, at the ripe old age of 45, the prisoner of a local Welsh lord. About this time, Diamond MacMurida, the recently deposed King of Leinster in Ireland, travelled to England, Wales and France, trying to raise a mercenary army to help him to restore his throne. On his journeys... He appealed to Fitzstephen's captors to release him, as the steady hand and experience of such a soldier would be a huge asset for MacMurda's mission. He was successful, and on the 1st of May 1169 AD, Robert Fitzstephen led a force of about 400 mercenaries to Banno Strand in modern County Wexford. And so began the Norman invasion of Ireland. Fitzstephen was joined at the time by a number of other prominent Welsh Norman knights, many of whom were related to him. They included holders of many prominent names in Ireland today, such as Prendergast, Barry, Cogan and Fitzgerald. However, while these names might be familiar to you, maybe you have noticed that the surname Fitzstephen is very rare in Ireland today. So, what happened? Well, in 1177 AD, Fitzstephen was awarded land in Cork and Waterford by the King of England. 
The land stretched from Lismore to Ardmore and west to Cork City. All through his tenure in those parts, Fitzstephen had trouble protecting his lands against the native Irish at the time. By 1180, at the age of 60, he was without an official male heir and he ceded his lands to his half-nephew, Philip de Barry. Fitzstephen died about two years later, but we are uncertain of the exact date and location. And so the Barry family came to dominate across that part of East Cork, becoming a prominent Cork surname, and one of their branches eventually ended up brewing my Sunday morning cup of Barry's tea. But what happened to Fitzstephen's? Well, over the following century or so, the Fitzstephens remained in that area of East Cork and West Waterford. From about 1250 onwards, many of these Norman families started to become more and more Gaelic, or as we say, hibernicized. This is what we sometimes call it. They adopted the Irish language, they started following Gaelic Breton law, and they intermarried with the local Gaelic chieftain families, all to expand their power. Many of these hibernicized Norman families, the de Barrys, the Cogans, the Barretts, maintained their original Norman surnames. But in the case of Fitzstephens, they appeared to have assumed an Irish patronymic along the way, and at some point in time, they became known as Mac Slena. As the centuries went on, the names of Ireland became anglicised and Maxlena became known as Slaney and finally Sliney, S-L-I-N-E-Y. So if you look for Slinies in Ireland today, you'll find them in that area from Lismore to Ardmore and westward to the town of Middleton and Cork, the same lands awarded to Robert Fitzstephens all those centuries ago. in the night. 
The beautiful tunes, arrangements and singing there of Enya, and in that case, very appropriately titled, How Can I Keep From Singing? Well, I hope you enjoyed the music of Enya today, uh, featuring three of her tracks, her evolution from the family the family band, the family firm, back in Guidor in County Donegal, back in the late 70s into the early 80s, and uh, how she blossomed into this very kind of different character, but with those still has those same firm roots musically, and culturally back there in Donegal. And also, of course, the actual theme of today being going from the Vikings to the Normans and into Ireland. And again, I hope you found it interesting, if you, especially if you have Norman surnames in your Irish family tree, or indeed you simply actually find that you have Viking or Norman blood when you've done your DNA testing. And uh, that's it for today. Well, you can actually find the show notes at letterfromireland.com forward slash 737. That's letterfromireland.com forward slash 737. 
As always, if you enjoyed today's show, we'd really appreciate you taking a moment to leave a review in the player of your choice or if you're in a forum or whatever at the moment, just in the comment section below. So that's it for myself, Mike and Karina. And thank you very, very much for listening. And we look forward to chatting again next week. Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our Green Room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. Because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina.